Hi, I'm Edwin. And I'm Andrew. Two men. Fifteen minutes. Eternal impact. Welcome to Text Talk. His glory I will see. I will Happy Wednesday. Happy Wednesday, Andrew. Happy December 16. Absolutely. And we're reading Psalm 16. How perfect is this? It is perfect. There's I'll be probably reading. a word for that. Serendipity? Kismet? I don't know. <laughs> Psalm 16 from the New King James Version. Preserve me, O God, for in you I put my trust. O my soul, you have said to the Lord, you are my Lord. My goodness is nothing apart from you. And to the saints who are on the earth, they are the excellent ones in whom is all my delight. Their sorrows shall be multiplied who hasten after another God. Their drink offerings of blood I will not offer, nor take up their names on my lips. You, O Lord, are the portion of my inheritance and my cup. You maintain my lot. The lines have fallen to me in pleasant places. Yes, I have a good inheritance. I will bless the Lord who has given me counsel. My heart also instructs me in the night seasons. I have set the Lord always before me because he is at my right hand. I shall not be moved. Therefore, my heart is glad and my glory rejoices. My flesh also will rest in hope. For you will not leave my soul in Sheol, nor will you allow your Holy One to see corruption. You will show me the path of life. In your presence is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. So we've spent a couple of days in Psalm 16, really drilling down in verse 2 and verse 3. We were thinking about spiritual maturity on Monday and then building on that yesterday, uh, talking about heroes and those saints, those people set apart for God that we should seek to emulate. Uh, Today, we look really at verse uh, 4 and following to think about the contrast If we are looking after people who are seeking the Lord and serving the Lord to be our examples, then there's others we ought to look away from. There's others that we should not follow, and those would be the idolaters. It would seem that in David's life, and of course we pointed out this is a mictum of David, that there was a a lot of idolatry competing with God throughout really throughout the promised land. You had the Philistines and these other Canaanite peoples, and they all had their own gods, right? Yeah. The Baals, the Ashtras, the Molechs. As we're going through the Psalms in our reading, you and I are both teaching classes going through the judges. Yes, we are. And and it's, it's this reminder that despite God's instruction to Israel to completely kick out the idols, they never did. They never did, and it was a snare to them. Uh, You know, every other generation, it seems like, they were going back to playing the harlot with these idols. And this even happens beyond the judges. I mean, they they didn't get rid of them even on into the kingdom years. And, and, And while David is a high point and faithful to the Lord, usually, yeah, uh, that... But Solomon kind of ends with his heart being turned aside to idols. Yeah, yeah. Which means they were around. They They were were around. around. Exactly. Still around. around. But David says, not for me. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not playing with them. So, you know, one other thing is we lead into this and he's not playing with them. But isn't the sentence structure interesting in verse four? It almost seems backwards. And, And I just, I say it this way because I know it's a podcast and in this medium People are listening. They may not be just necessarily reading on the page with us. Be cool, but probably not. So their sorrows shall be multiplied. 
who hasten after another god. If I was writing that, just prose, I might say something like, the people who hasten after another god will have sorrows multiplied. Right. But it starts with sorrows. Because it's emphasizing the sorrows. It's mm-hmm. emphasizing. And perhaps it's reminding, because too often when I look at those who go after the idols, what I notice is their pleasures. Okay. That's, I, I notice those things. I notice the money that they make. Mm-hmm. I notice the um, following that they get, the fame that they have, the influence that they wield. And I start noticing those things. And so perhaps David has written it this way because he's got to emphasize, even remind himself. We're going to read Psalms that are all about, boy, when I looked at the wicked and some of the great things that were happening for them, my right. foot almost slipped. Yeah. And yeah. and David is reminding, no, no, no. Okay, so maybe we see some of them having pleasures at times, but really it's sorrows. Ultimately, what they have are sorrows because the idols promise big mm-hmm. and, and they deliver early, but they deliver small. And ultimately, you get the exact opposite of what they promised. Yeah, they don't deliver. I mean, you were talking about the judges, and quite recently we were talking about uh, Judge Jephtha. And, Jephtha. Uh, Jephtha. Jephtha. Uh, and we don't need to get too distracted with that. But but it was one of those times where it was basically a contest of gods as he was trying to um, deal with the Ammonites on that occasion. And, and he was basically saying, well, let your God... Chemish, uh, come and fight. Let your God Chemish come and deliver. And of course, Chemish is a deaf mute idol. Does nothing. Does, does nothing. nothing. Yeah. And the really powerful thing in all of that is remembering that this land that Ammon was claiming for their own had at one time been Moab's, and and Chemish was actually the god of the Moabites. Mm-hmm. And what Jephthah highlights is, look. Chemish couldn't keep this land under the Moabites, which is why we got it. Sihon was able to kick the Moabites out of here. Yeah, Their God right. is so pathetic. Uh, you know, it, it, yeah. We didn't take this from the Moabites or even you, the Ammonites, the, the brothers of the Moabites. We took this from somebody else who took it from the Moabites because Chemish didn't help them at all. Yeah. And so now we're going to let the Lord judge between you and me. That's what we're going to do. So Japheth was willing to say, let's put your God to the test, Chemish. Elijah was willing to say, let's put these gods to the test. Let's let's call on the Baals and, and the God that answers with fire to burn up a sacrifice. That's the true God. And the Israelites, and I would put David in this camp as well, were always fine with doing that because they served the living God. Mm-hmm. They won every time. And perhaps the struggle for us today is that as as the revelation of who God is and his character and how he works has increased, it has ultimately gotten us to Jesus Christ, mm-hmm. who mm-hmm. putting him to the test actually got him on a cross. Mm. And, and very often where we are is in the moment of the cross and we think our God has lost. Mm-hmm. But that's but it's not the short term that we need to think about in that short term on Friday when when all these essentially idolaters, because that's that's what was happening. The religious people among the Jews, while they were not practicing statuary, which we often think of as idolatry, they had idolized their own traditions and their own ideas and essentially themselves in their religion. And there was a moment in the short term where they thought they won. Yes, we put you to the test and you died. Mm. And, and that's, 
I think that's the struggle is that we are often at that moment on the cross Mm -hmm. and think we've lost. Mm -hmm. They've won. We've got to think long term. And the long term is what happened on the third day. He rose again. And, of course, the problem for us is is that um, we wish that long-term only ever meant the third day. Sometimes the long-term for us <laughs> means maybe 30 years. You know, I, yeah. yes, it does look like you're winning, and it's look, it looks like y'all are winning for a very long time. But what I have to remember is ultimately the sorrows of the idolaters multiply. Whereas in contrast, at the end of the psalm, you make known to me the path of life. In your presence, there is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. With the idolaters, there's pleasures for a moment, Mm -hmm. ultimately sorrows. Mm -hmm. For me, there might be sorrows at the moment, but ultimately long-term eternal pleasures in the presence of God. In the presence and the fullness of joy. At the right hand, pleasures forevermore. That's really encouraging. Sometimes we're a little short-sighted. So you have to have a a long picture for that. So here's the practical application. Mm -hmm. David says, because of this, I will never, never participate in their sacrifices of blood. Yeah, blood blood offerings, taking up a cup of of blood. Yeah. I think the reason why this is used, he's not saying, hey, I'll participate in all of their other offerings. I just won't participate in this one. Excuse me. I think the reason this one is used is because one of the significant differences between pagan offering and Yahweh's offerings is Yahweh never had them drink the blood. Often in the pagan offerings, that would be part of it. Okay. And so what we have is a really significant difference between the sacrifices offered to Yahweh and the sacrifices offered to so many other gods. And he says, what I'm not going to do is alter God's worship. I'm not going to bring their worship into either either one. I'm not going to do it for those gods, but I'm not bringing their worship into my worship of Yahweh. I'm not going to let their worship impact the way I worship the one true and living God. And further, I'm not going to take their name on my lips. Now, he doesn't mean, of course, that he would never read their names. I mean, even just reading the Bible, we read their names. Sure. But it's the idea of, of I'm not going to honor them. I'm not going to respect them. I'm not going to revere them. I am not going to act like they have any type of involvement in what's going on. I, I'm not pursuing them at all. And they're not going to impact the way I worship my one true living God. I love that. I love the um, the contrast in verse four when he says, "I he's going to refuse their drink offerings of blood. I will not offer those." And then verse five, "O Lord, you are the portion of my inheritance and my cup." Mm. Okay, oh, yeah, and good so point. you know the the Lord is the cup. I will take that cup. I will drink from that cup good and refuse this uh, drink offering of blood. Let me bring this home. Yeah, because up to this point, it's very easy for me to say, "Well, I don't do that." I don't worship Baal. I don't drink. I don't cups drink of blood. cups of blood. I, I don't. Uh, I don't. You know. I'm not going to bring. I'm not going to bring any of that statuary in. Um, but you know, here's the problem. Idolatry we mm-hmm. often equate to statuary, mm-hmm. and we do see that in the world today. There are folks that set up shrines and bow before statues, but that's not normally an American thing around no. here. We don't no. see that very often. But a significant portion of the world population, but yeah. not in America. Not in America. So we here in America, ah, I don't do that. But you remember Colossians 3, 5? 
I do. Which points out that covetousness is idolatry. Mm -hmm. In fact, in Matthew 6, 24, Jesus points out that one of the biggest competitors with Yahweh is money. Mammon, right? Yeah. You can't serve two masters? Yeah, you can't serve God and mammon or money. And of course, there, that word mammon, I think, was a word come out of worship of an idol that focused on material goods and so, it's but your really money and money. your stuff yeah, yeah it's, it's, it's the material possessions and so here are these things that we can place in front of God but because it's not a statue we don't realize we're worshiping an idol here's where I think there's some real application for me today mm-hmm. and that is what David is saying is I'm not going to bring in this other kind of worship into my true worship And what can happen for us as Christians is we can, even though we don't have statues, we can bring these false gods into our worship of the true God. And we do that by baptizing forms of life and ways of conducting our life, which are really not in accord with God's will. And so here's what happens. Mm -hmm. We've talked this week about the wonderful blessings of God. One of the great blessings of God would be to have food. One of the great blessings of God would be to have a job that that gives us money so that we can put food on the table, so that we can share with others, so that we can give back to the Lord. That's wonderful blessings. But what can happen is I start to have a shift, which is why it was important on, on Monday in our conversation to realize that the real blessing is the giver, not the gift. Mm-hmm. Because what can happen is I start pursuing the gift, and I've baptized the pursuit of the gift— As if when I'm pursuing the gift, I'm pursuing God when I'm not. I'm just pursuing the gift. Wow. Okay. And so the idea here is that when I think that the goal of Christianity is to have my best life now, Mm -hmm. I've actually brought in the drink offerings of blood. Mm -hmm. Because what I'm doing is I'm actually serving money and mammon, but I'm baptizing it because I'm saying, oh, oh, this just shows the blessing of God in my life. This just shows the blessing of God in my life. I'm just pursuing the blessing of God. I need to be pursuing God. If God gives me that blessing, good for him and give thanks to him. But if he doesn't give me that blessing, I still need to be pursuing God. Another way people may go about this is to take something that is that is wrong, but but to put a name of righteousness upon it. I think about people trying to uh, take an illicit relationship with another person, whether it's you know a, a homosexual relationship or adultery or something like this. But unlawful marriage, unlawful marriage. But we're going to call it marriage because God but, just wants me to be happy. Yeah, and God wants me to be married. I mean, you know, marriage comes from God, and God and so, is and so love. We call it that. Yeah, God, God is, is love. love. So anything that I call love suddenly becomes okay. Becomes a holy thing. What have I done? I have baptized Mm -hmm. this other thing, brought it in and acted like it is a righteous pursuit of God Mm -hmm. when it's really not. But I've put this kind of sanctifying stamp on it. And really what I'm doing is I'm taking the drink offerings of blood and I'm taking the names of the other gods on my lips Mm -hmm. instead of just pursuing the one true holy living God. God. We'd love to hear what you're learning from the text. If you're reading something else, we'd love to hear about that. Send us a message, text talk at christiansmeethere.org, text talk at christiansmeethere.org. Let's wrap up with a prayer. Glorious God, you alone are God. Yahweh, holy Lord, the self-existent. There is no other but you. You are God of gods, Lord of lords, King of kings. You are God to the uttermost, and there is none besides you. Lord, help us in purity to worship you your way. Remove from us the names of these other gods from our lips. Remove from us any any pursuit of those gifts as if they are the God, as if they are the true blessing. Help us to remember that you, Lord God, are the one, the only blessing. You are all our good, and we love you so very much. 
Thank you for loving us first. Through your son, Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. Thanks for talking about the text with us today. I'm Edwin Crozier, and I'd like to invite you to join the Christians Who Meet on Livingston Avenue this Sunday for our Bible classes and worship. You can find out more at christiansmeethere.org. Check out our daily written devotional that goes along with today's episode. You can find a link for it in our show notes. Michael Eldridge wrote and sang all four parts of our theme song. You can get more from him at acapeldridge.com. Remember to subscribe, rate, and review our podcast so others can learn about it more easily. Have a great day. Well,